20 pillar lane is being brought to you in part by anchor have you ever thought about starting your own podcast i know i did when i was trying to get this podcast off the ground for people you know i had a lot of questions you know i asked a lot of friends asked a lot of people in the podcasting world nobody was willing to try to help good old jay with any podcasting assistance so i found this little app anchor how do i record an episode anchor had the answer how do i get my show into all the apps people like to listen to anchor had the answer and how do i make moolah money from my podcast anchor has the answer the answer to every one of those questions is really simple anchor Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free to you and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing by reading this ad. I'm getting paid. Hoo-ha. I really like Anchor, man. You know, when I was trying to start Twin Pillar Lane, like I said, I had a lot of difficulty uh, finding this Anchor app, and it put me right on my feet toward uh, uh, starting a podcast and, and making money. Uh, so if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start, anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasts already using Anchor. Again, that's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Episode number three, episode number three, episode number three. Out the box, out the box, out the box. 20 Pillar Lane, 20 Pillar Lane. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of 20 Pillar Lane. Got a lot on tap today. Uh, Special host John is back with us today. Uh, We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Short time to get it done. Uh, We're going to try to touch on a lot of things. Uh, But first and foremost, shout out to Spotify. Uh, they just picked us up on last week. Uh, shout out to Pocket Cast. Uh, just picked us up on last week as well. And of course, shout out to our host, Anchor. Uh, I want to give a shout out to all my listeners. All the listeners who've uh, listened to us so far. I uh, hope you like what you're hearing. Hope you're spreading the, world, the word. Uh, we, we, we're trying to do our best to, to, to provide as much uh, quality content as possible. Uh, shout out to all the coaches out there. Uh, all the parents. Uh, and anyone making a difference in somebody else's life. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of 20 Pillar Lane. I am your host, the coach, J.J. Oliver. I'm joined here again by good old Jay Yar, my good buddy John. John Yar, bro, how you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing better now. That I got this uh, anchor app figured out. I mean, I, uh, brother, we. I, I think I just went in and uh, deleted it and uploaded it like three times. Uh, That's the same thing I did. It was definitely some funky going on with the app there, uh, but. Uh, let me give me shout-outs out of the way. Shout-out to Spotify. Just picked up a podcast on last week. Shout-out to Pocket Cast. Just picked us up on last week. And, of course, shout-out to Anchor. Even 
with the technical difficulties for allowing us to host this podcast. And want to give a shout out to all the listeners and the coaches and the parents and anyone making a difference in someone's life out there in the world today. Keep doing what you're doing. My week has been uh, very interesting since uh, uh, last week, John. My um. I had the, the dubious uh, honor of hosting my wife and my youngest daughter, Joy. Uh, my wife, Shannon, and the youngest daughter, Joy's birthday fall on uh, the 7th and 8th of March. And so uh, the bank was notified on last week that there would be some um, <laughs> increasingly uh, <laughs> extreme amounts of uh, balances, I mean, uh, withdrawals going on. And so uh, we had a pretty good time. Uh, Joy got an opportunity to have uh, cake and ice cream at her, uh, her grandmother's house and uh, we had family and friends come over and I uh, took my wife to sip and paint on a Saturday and so uh, I don't do any sipping of anything with Coca-Cola but I definitely <clears throat> love the paint so we had a, had a pretty good time you ever been to sip and paint before? no I have not I hadn't even heard of it oh yeah so sip and paint kind of works like uh, we went at a place called sipping strokes uh, but what it is is they give you two different pictures uh, or that you get an opportunity to, to paint for yourself that night. Uh, some of them are stenciled. Uh, some of them are not stenciled, uh, which simply means that some of them, they give you a guide to go by. Some, some of it uh, is totally freehand. Uh, but they allow you to bring in your own uh, beverage, your own alcohol. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> so during the process, some people's uh, paintings don't quite look like uh, uh, <laughs> like the models uh, that they they should. And it's interesting enough as as I was painting, I, I like it. I really like it. It calms my nerves down. Uh, it, it allows me to kind of uh, be free from the world for a minute. So you know, well, like it, me, is it is it the painting that calms you down, or is it the beverages that calm you down? No, I don't. I don't drink the beverages, <laughs> but it's the pain. Me and my wife actually, uh, we actually do it at the house sometimes. Uh, we'll pull up a YouTube video, go to Walmart, we'll get a canvas and uh, some acrylic paint and, and knock it out. Uh, but it was interesting that, you know, as I was watching around, as I was peering around the room at some of the other paintings, uh, as I was seeing some of some of the things people were painting, I was wondering, was there? Uh, third choice that was given that I was not aware <laughs> about because there were some pictures that didn't look like either model. Uh, but anyway, had a, had a really good time with that, and then uh, ended the weekend Saturday, uh, Sunday with uh, my daughter getting an opportunity to go. Uh, she saw our paintings, and so she wanted to go do the same thing. Uh, so we found a child-friendly uh, painting place without the silk. And we did that with her on Sunday, uh, so she got a chance to make some pottery. Be an interesting weekend coming up as well. She's uh, my daughter's a little model, so she's in another little fashion show in uh, Selma, Alabama. So we'll be making that that journey down there. And um, my son also has a track meet. Um, I don't know if I told you, but my son um, <clears throat> he, he actually got in a track on happenstance. Um, he, he's really into basketball and uh, really try to focus on basketball. I don't like specialization. Uh, so my wife and I decided to, you know, kind of heavily influence him that, you know, he needed to make a choice to participate in another sport, uh, which track was it. So uh, he got out there, man. He's actually pretty good. It uh, really surprised us because um, 
he's he's actually really fast. He runs the two hundred and he runs uh, almost all of the relays, uh, four by one hundred uh, sprint uh, medley as well as the distance medley. And he's he's actually pretty good. He's shown me a lot. I've, I've been very proud with him. Cool. Uh, so, cool. so what what's been on your agenda all weekend? What you got coming up? Oh man, uh, let's see. My my son, my oldest son, is turning sixteen tomorrow. Oh, insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to I have him this weekend. So, uh, you know, he's been kind of leaning towards attending UCF uh, just because okay. of the, you know, the out-of-state fees for colleges are, are just ridiculous. Right. Um, of course, he wants to go to Auburn uh, and everything, but. It'll just, get better. Yeah. <laughs> with the, <laughs> with the, uh, the out-of-state fees and everything, he wants, he's leaning towards UCF. Um, so I'm going to take him to a UCF baseball game this weekend, uh, to try to get him involved in the culture out there. So it's not just him going to school and going to class, you know, right, I, want right, him, right. I want him to get involved with people and activities and things like that. So that, that's kind of what we're doing this weekend. Got a question for you. Yes, sir. So you guys stay in Orlando area, right? Yes. All right. So if he goes to UCF. Is he staying at home or on campus? Um, oh, let me ask you this question. Let me qualify this question by saying if it was not, if it didn't have anything to do with uh, room and board pricing. Um, you know, actually, his his first year, I would lean towards, uh, you know, him living at home. Gotcha. Um, but I would, you know, ask him, of course, what he would like to do and then you know, kind of talk about the pros and cons and things like that and make a decision that way. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. My um, my daughter went to Alabama State. Uh, of course, we were in West Virginia at the time. Uh, I wish I was still in Alabama at the time uh, for her to be able to spend that one year at home uh, and just get some... I, I, I think you, you'll, you'll see that it gets some acclimated uh a little bit more, but it also helps to if they know someone who already goes there. I mean, we had uh, tons of uh, uh, contacts there, uh, but it, you know, like I said, it helps if they know someone once they go there, whether they be students or other people. Um, right. But it's good that you get them into the culture of the, uh, of the campus, so you can kind of see what it's like. He may actually uh, drift away from you and, and find some. Some young ladies who can tell them a little bit about the culture a little bit more when you guys go to the game. Yeah, that's already happened a couple times. <laughs> that's what's up. So, got a good got a good program today. Got a couple of good topics to touch on. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I, I kind of uh, put John behind the eight ball because I put myself behind the eight ball too because I didn't really research a lot of these topics. I just, uh, or oh, I didn't give us time to do a lot of research. I just thought of them today. Uh, so we've actually had no uh, no prep uh, other than kind of for about an hour or two kind of reviewing. And I've been in school. John might have been cheating. So um, it's going to be really interesting. <laughs> it's going to be really interesting to hear uh, uh, some of the topics. And I'm going to go ahead and start off with uh, the first one. Uh, and I thought about this because of an argument that was occurring on Facebook. There was an argument, um, some, uh, two people who are my Facebook friends and they were, they got in a regular argument and then they started, uh, kind of throwing out, uh, were you supposed to be a Christian? And, uh, the argument stemmed from, 
of course, what we've been talking about for the last couple of days uh, uh, or last week or so is the R. Kelly situation, the Michael Jackson situation, as well as the Justice Smollett situation. So it kind of went like this. There was a gentleman who made a statement that some people are dogging out R. Kelly, Michael Jackson, but they're basically not having that same energy for Justice Smollett. And so female jumped on and she said that, oh, this was way bigger. I'm speaking about R. Kelly and Michael Jackson. This was way bigger than just somebody lying. Uh, I mean, he lied, but that wasn't as big as somebody molesting somebody. So the gentleman said, and you call yourself a Christian. And the female said, I don't know what that means. And I took that to mean, I don't know if this is what he meant or not, but <clears throat> this is where I got my question from. I took that to mean that if you are a Christian, he was saying that all sins are, are the same. There's no no sin that's bigger than others. So, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to talk about uh, first, you know, if if you identify as a Christian, should you really place degrees on sin, or are they kind of all the same? And when I thought about it, I thought about the fact that you know what is sin? What what is the technical definition of sin? Uh, as it, first of all, I do identify as Christian, uh, and what is the definition of sin that I've always been told? And it's kind of like. It's any action or, or even a thought that uh, falls short of God's will or the will of God. Um, by saying that, that's why people uh, can really say that people sin all the time because God God is perfect. Uh, so anything that, that, that you can do that falls short of, of his perfection is technically a sin. But you know, it, the, the Bible kind of uses different examples. Uh, one of the best examples I saw uh, or can, have ever heard of is uh, somebody who, like, participating in the sport of archery. When they participate in the sport of archery, the goal is for them to shoot the arrow and the bullseye. Uh, of course, we know when they shoot the, the arrow, if, if the arrow kind of goes off course or doesn't hit the bullseye, it's technically not perfect or it's technically falling short of what the goal is. Uh, even if it doesn't miss it by anything but a little bit, uh, some people, they miss the whole board, but some people miss it by a little bit. But the point is, they both miss it. So the arrow doesn't really go where it's supposed to go. And... You know, I kind of had, when, when that example was given to me, somebody, you know, they were saying that that's kind of how seeing is. Uh, we all we all are aiming for a target, uh, a, a preferred behavior or goal for our behavior. Uh, some of us fall way short and some of us, you know, fall narrowly short. You know, for somebody, it might be uh, they went out and committed a robbery today. Somebody else, it may be they verbally accosted somebody or, or cussed somebody out. Uh, both are sins. Now, man has placed some degrees of, uh, of severity on, on sins and, and 
has named whether some sins are actually legal or illegal. But Billy Graham, somebody asked Billy Graham this one time, uh, you know, they asked him, is all sin the same in God's eyes? And he kind of basically said that it's difficult and dangerous to kind of categorize sins according to their degree of seriousness. Uh, In one sense, they're all equal uh, and they separate us from God. Uh, It's like Romans 6 and 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. uh, And it applies to all sin, whether whether you think it, whether you speak it, or or whether it's something that you do. But at the same time, he said, you know, it's kind of obvious that some some sins are worse than others and the motivation and the effect because you could you could really kind of uh, sin and, and not really be trying to uh, and then there are people who, who sin um, and they're, they're purposely trying to uh, so the root of some sin is, is, is kind of different so I don't want to kind of get into a whole lot of uh, uh, what the experts say in this and that but just in 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 your thinking, what what do you think about that 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 question? <clears throat> uh, let me tell you, um, I, I identify as a Christian also. Um, I always have, and the thing that that really uh, gets me is when people will say s- something to the effect of, "And you call yourself a Christian." Mm-hmm. That's, that tells me they have this preconceived notion of what a Christian is. And, and from the information that I've gathered over the years from speaking with different people, they think a Christian is someone who sits in their house, reads their Bible all the time, prays, and that's it. That's it, yep. And that's not what a, what a Christian is. To me, a Christian is someone who follows Christ. It's not a set of rules or uh, something that that you follow like a regiment. It, it's bring, trying to bring glory to God, and you're representing God. So the the actions that you that that a Christian does is is what either takes away or gives glory to God. All right. Now, as far as sin goes, to me, a sin is a sin. I don't believe in degrees of sins. I don't believe murdering someone is above uh, adultery. I don't believe right. adultery is above murder. It, it's a sin. We have a set of, of, of laws, if you will, in the Bible telling us what we can and can't do. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, we have uh, our, our own government and our own uh, laws here on earth and uh, I don't remember the passage and I don't remember the exact phrasing but basically you know the laws that we create down here God said that he will uh, he will back it so you know if, if we're breaking this law or that law and we get caught and we have to pay the penalty for it you know that's going to be uh, you know God's going to realize that and say okay well i'm on the side of the law here because you knew what the law was you broke the law and i said that i was going to uphold any laws on earth you know as they are here in heaven so 
um, with the the whole R. Kelly and the, and the Michael Jackson thing, um, with someone saying nonsense like that, that, and you call yourself a Christian. Christians are not perfect. Every, every one of us falls. Every one of us stumbles. And we all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are worthy for what uh, for what God sent his son to do for us. He sent, a, he sent his son to die for our sins. None of us deserve that. Or none of us uh, are worthy. But he did it anyway. Because he knew that we were going to stumble and we were going to fall. Knew he was going to get loose off the juice. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But that's interesting because, I mean, I'm going to, I guess I I wonder why people will be quick to forgive somebody for, say, saying something to them out of the way. But you hear people say, well, you know, somebody killed my uh, brother or they killed somebody in my family, I can never forgive them. And based on my spirituality, you're committing sin and it's no different from from theirs. And so I understand there's uh, healing that has to be done and uh, some things happen in time. But, you know, I never say comments like that, that that point me totally in one direction because, you know, I understand that that feelings are are fleeting, but you have to be careful about, uh, I always tell people this, when when somebody asks you how you can not judge somebody or how you can, how you can forgive somebody, you know, my, my, my bishop once told, uh, he was telling me a story about another individual and uh, this individual was accused of, heinous activities within the church uh, and, and 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 my bishop my bishop had an opportunity to speak to the congregation and uh, you know not necessarily in support he was in support but he wasn't speaking from that realm he was speaking from a spiritual realm as far as how how you know he approaches it and somebody in the congregation asked him well how can you be so quick to forgive somebody for doing something like this or, you know, participating in this type of activity. And, you know, when he told me what he said, I thought it was kind of the best statement that I've heard on a situation like that. And this one that I use now, and when it comes up with somebody else, I actually say it to them and it causes them to rethink things. And he basically said, when you get to the point to where you have nothing for God to forgive you for and you are at a point to where you have done nothing that God has had to forgive you for falling short of his glory no matter what it is what we know and what we don't know at that point in time you can judge somebody else and not forgive them until then you can't tell me that God's grace and mercy is only for me because he's told us if we confess with the mouth, then we will be forgiven. Now, 
having said that, I understand that some people, that's a process because we are we are human and there are emotions. But that you know, that's another reason why you know people say stay in your word and uh, make sure you stay in prayer. It's not necessarily for uh, when when things are going good, but it, it builds kind of a foundation uh, to fortify you when 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 you you run into troubling spots uh, because. What I have found in my life is, you know, when, when you get, you know, stuff going good, you kind of start escaping from the word. You're not as diligent in your prayer as when you need something at that moment. And actually, when you're doing good is when you need to really be praying because that's when the enemy attacks you. And when the enemy attacks, they start giving you those aha moments like, aha, where's your God now? You know, it's kind of like uh, uh, the guy on Black Panther's like, is this your king? Uh, so, you know, I always try to tell people, you know, just before you start judging, judging people and uh, their situation, you, you kind of want to want to think that don't mean you got to engage everybody, but you, you certainly don't want to be that person who uh, does no wrong uh, and, and is high and mighty above everybody else. But that was just interesting to me, man. I, um, it's, it's been an interesting week on Facebook. I actually saw uh, some a post over the last two days where, you know, somebody said that if you support uh, R. Kelly uh, and Michael Jackson, you're a pedophile. Not you support a pedophile, not, you know, you, you have some questionable character. They said you're a pedophile. And it created... Uh, a long uh, narrative, you know, you, you always get your ignorant comments in there, but it created a long narrative to where it actually uh, evolved into two people getting into a, a serious argument who need, knew each other and that argument went from uh, a racial argument to uh, I can shoot you, uh, I got this many guns, this and that, and I just thought to myself wow really and the crazy part about it was the racial part of it the individual the the it was a caucasian young lady and a um, black young lady and the uh the, the the white the white lady said something uh and the black girl said something else and referred to her using the n-word and so the white girl simply made a statement saying I'm not an n-word and the black girl used that to say that she was using the n-word as in using it in an inappropriate manner and I was like you see how she just flipped it around that was totally not you know I'm like she didn't say that that ain't how she said it but there were about three or four other people who jumped on the comment and I'm like this had nothing to do with race it was brought into a situation and this is how stuff this is why people can't have conversation because we don't respect each other's opinion and you know it, it kind of brought into land you know another topic people talking about mutant r kelly and, and mutant michael jackson basically uh not playing their music and uh not supporting their music uh, and on on first podcast i don't know i don't know if you heard it or not but i talked a little bit about this and Arkell is my favorite uh, uh, musical artist. Has been since you know I've been in school. Anybody who knows me knows that. 
And it has nothing to do with me liking R. Kelly as a person. Uh, I don't know him as a person to like or dislike him. Uh, and I try to tell people or get people to understand that you can like someone's artistry without liking who they are and what they represent, especially if you don't know who they are and what they represent. So I don't mute R. Kelly. I don't mute Michael Jackson. Uh, but I don't buy music and all that type of stuff anyway. So, you know, you just had to help me uh, <laughs> with getting the CD because I don't even know how to get music now. But it was funny because when the uh, when the interview came on with R. Kelly the other day, I was in the house full of uh, full of females, and they all were talking about you know how uh, you know how how bad the situation was and uh, you know believing that R. Kelly did it or whatever, and so. <laughs> you know, it was part of the bumper music for the interview. They played Step in the Name of Love. And when they were playing it, everybody in there was, was dancing. They were doing a little step. And it just it just really further amplified the fact that you can separate the music from the individual. So are you muting R. Kelly or Michael Jackson, John? No, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I've never been still gonna beat it much up. Of, I've never been exactly because <laughs> I'm because I'm bad uh, you know I, I've never been a fan uh, of R. Kelly's music um, <laughs> I've never been a big fan of R. Kelly's music you know there's a couple you know uh, I believe I can fly just because it was from Space Jam and right. things like that um, but Michael Jackson I mean he's an icon you know talk not, about not, it not just uh, on the aspect uh, of here lately, but in the aspect of he was a global phenomenon and his music. When, when smooth criminal comes on, if you're not tapping your feet, <laughs> if you're not tapping your feet, then you either a have a, had the volume all the way down or B you can't hear because it, there's just no way that when smooth criminal comes on, and and visually, it was a masterpiece. It was a, what ten or fifteen minute long uh, video. Yep. Just to, well, just like most of his uh, his videos were like thriller, you know, thriller. Uh, I remember back in what was it eighty four, eighty five when that came out, and they it was a big to do. Everyone gathered around the <laughs> the one. Everyone gathered around the one TV set. Right. <laughs> uh, and we watched it for an hour. You know, it wasn't that long, but they showed the making of it and this and that. But I was listening to Michael Jackson in my car the other day. I have a playlist. Did you ever find out if Annie was okay? What's that? Did you ever find out if Annie was okay? Mike um, was asking. I don't. I don't think Annie is okay. Uh, <laughs> Annie's been going through some some issues, especially with this whole thing with Michael Jackson. So I, I don't think Annie's doing okay. She she Prayers she's all right. Annie. She's all right, but she's not okay. <laughs> man, you know what, man? I I really started liking the Thriller video. I already liked the Thriller video, but I really started liking the Thriller video when I found out later on, of course, later on in life, uh, I found out that the girl in the Thriller video was actually a young lady whom had... Um, been in some 
interesting uh, magazines. Uh, Ola Ray. Ola Ray. Ola Ray uh, had uh, been in uh, Playboy. And so... Um, that's, just, that's just for the articles, though. Right, 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 right. And I, I, I saw the articles, and unfortunately, uh, I can't tell you what any of them said because... Uh, I was looking at the company uh, photograph. Ne- never mind. Um, so I just thought that was a, a little tidbit. Uh, now, what needs to be told is uh, whether Michael visited her trailer during the time that they were filming. That will help us uh, understand a lot during that time. Uh, just kidding. Uh, but uh, a lot of people who are who are muting uh, are killing Michael Jackson. I think that's much easier if. You're not a person who uh, really turns on music or buys music. You just kind of listen to the radio because most of the radio stations are not playing. Uh, or if you're not a fan anyway. Uh, so, well, let me but, ask you this, Coach. Yeah, go ahead. Let, let me ask you this. Are, are people uh, uh, muting Roman Polanski movies? Are they muting Phil Spector uh, produce music? Are they, are they muting... Uh, Tupac, Dr. Dre, Snoop. You know, Snoop was uh, allegedly involved in a shooting, as was Tupac. And Tupac Not just a shooting. Murder. Exactly. And, you know, Tupac was even on Yo! MTV Raps. Uh, for all you, uh, all you uh, under the age of 30, Yo! MTV Raps was a, was a show back in the day when MTV actually played <laughs> videos. Fab Five Freddy. Ed Lover. Oh, um, there you go. Oh yeah, Tupac was on there, and he was he was, you know, running his mouth about about that guy, and you know Ed Lover had to get up there and put his hand over Tupac's mouth, and tell him to shut up because he was admitting what he what he was being accused of. Right, right, right. But it's uh, funny to say that because um, the guy um, he was just talking about movies. Uh, he was I just thought about Kevin Spacey. Uh, somebody was yeah. uh, on Facebook talking about the usual suspects. And I actually watched the user such for the things like two weeks ago. It was one, one, one uh, very good movie. Uh, but so they were actually talking about it, uh, and they were talking about how good it was and how they had just watched it. And it was somebody who had actually said they were muting R. Kelly. Uh, and Kevin Spacey, for those who don't know, was accused uh, with when when the whole uh, was the Weinstein thing went out. Uh, he was the Me Too movement. Yeah, when the whole Me Too movement uh, started, he was accused of. Uh, sexually assaulting uh, some individuals and he actually made a statement that kind of said <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I, uh, I'm taking the whole Hollywood down with me and I'm just like really? That's a statement? Not I didn't do it or I'm not involved in this but the Nino Brown if I go down the whole <laughs> I just thought that was so interesting uh, because a, that means you know about some more stuff, and B, he never denied it. So I'm just like, okay. You know, the thing with the Kevin Spacey, the thing that 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 really that really shocked me was when he, you know, he he allegedly fondled an underage person at a at a Hollywood party uh, back in the day. It was a boy, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but but the thing that that that. It drew my attention when Kevin Spacey was given this this speech. He basically said, 
uh, I was drinking, and I don't remember if it happened. If it did happen, I apologize. Right. If it did happen, I apologize. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm gay. Oh, like, like that I hear that part. Yeah, like that was going to make everything okay. Right, right. I mean, he said it in the same breath that he just got through saying that he didn't remember doing it. But if he did, he apologizes. Oh, and by the way, I'm gay. <laughs> it's crazy, man. I mean, it's crazy what we what we will excuse and what we won't excuse and what we will deal with and won't deal with. I mean, I think you know all of it should be dealt with, but I I, just, I don't think you can you can singularly focus on on, on one thing uh, on a sexual orientation. Right, right, right. It's it's, it's interesting. And it's you know, interesting. This, this goes back to what you and I were talking about last week uh, on your on your other podcast, Hollywood, just because these people are celebrities and because they have TV time or movie time or they write a number one song, they're still people. They still had parents that raised them. They still grew up in a, in a, in a certain way or a certain home with certain beliefs. Right. And so just because they have that exposure to the world on TV or a movie or music, does it make, make them, uh, uh, incapable of screwing up and, and doing things that that you know the the guy next door does molesting right. ki- molesting kids killing his wife uh, you know whatever the case may be it, it happens to everybody celebrities aren't aren't excused from that but you know what man I just I wonder I don't I don't know where this came from but you know when I think about a lot of stuff. During my um, childhood, a lot of stuff that is ultra uh, serious now, and as far as uh, like you can't laugh about stuff no more. And I know I don't mean laugh as in everything is funny. I mean you can't even make a joke about uh, you can like like make a lighthearted moment. Uh, but I think about some things that when I was growing up, what um, what was accepted and now and this whole situation has made me think of do you ever recall growing up and people used to say stuff like uh, when they used to talk about uh, older people messing with children they always say they always call them Chester the molester yeah okay so People said that like in tongue in cheek, like it, like it was nothing to it. And I just it, it's crazy because I thought about that, uh, that, and I, I actually kind of researched it. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not because it's on Wikipedia. But oh lordy, yeah. So <laughs> it comes from a comic strip, uh, and the comic strip was by a guy called Dwayne Tinsley. And it ran from 1945 to 2000. Uh, and he was actually the cartoon editor for Hustler. Uh, for those who don't know uh, Hustler, uh, uh, almost like Playboy Sister, uh, except it's much more graphic. Uh, was featured in the movie uh, The People vs. Larry Flint, where Larry Flint was the, uh, I guess, the creator and owner of, uh, of Hustler magazine. Uh, but the premise of the strip, or the premise of the comic strip was kind of a tongue-in-cheek take on a man named Chester. 
and he was interested in sexually molesting women and pre-pubescent girls. Uh, that means girls who haven't reached puberty yet. Uh, when we were growing up, you called them flat-chested girls. Uh, so the Chester cartoon showed many scenes in which the main character uh, and even his uh, his girlfriend Hester uh, tricked or attempted to trick women and pre-pubescent girls into like doing sexually compromising stuff. Um, and it was, you know, it was, of course criticized by feminist groups but this actually ran as an adult comic and this is where people get Chester the molester from and I can't imagine something like that being created today and being acceptable but this was said to have started in 1976 and ended in 1989 that's 13 years of this type of stuff but that's not even the crazy part I ain't got to the crazy part yet but here it is, here it is. The Hook. In 1984, Tinsley, which is the guy, Dwayne Tinsley, who created this comic strip, was accused of molesting his 13-year-old daughter over a period of five years. He was, of course, convicted and served uh, almost two years out of a six-year sentence. Um, and then his conviction was overturned uh, because they said that his conviction violated the First Amendment uh, because it was based on his comic strip. Uh, basically, they saying that they believed it or it was heavily, the uh, jury uh, verdict was heavily influenced by, hey, he made a comic strip about uh, an older guy molesting somebody, so he probably did. Well, I don't think that's too far from the normal thinking that <laughs> that might might have been uh, a heavy influence um, but the guy even still wrote uh, while he was in jail he still wrote for Hustler but that is crazy can you imagine something like that being produced today no not at all not even remotely close I mean you you, <laughs> you know that story if you, if I, I, no I didn't know that story um, <laughs> I, I don't know what this Hustler is that you're speaking of uh, but just, just assuming someone's gender now right. will get someone yelled at. So, no, I could not imagine uh, something like that being uh, attempted to be published today. It's funny you said it because um, a teacher at my school uh, actually got reprimanded um, uh, a week or two ago because uh, <laughs> and she was she, she didn't know. Honestly, she didn't know. Um, but there was a, a a young boy who was going into uh, he was going into the boys' locker room, but he has uh, a lot of feminine traits. Uh, he dresses sometimes as a, a female, and he has long hair. She did not know uh, who he was, but she, you know she hollers out across the dream. Hey, you can't go in the boys' locker room. He, you know, every all the kids know, so they they snickering, and he's kind of you know upset that she did that. So he keeps walking instead of turning around saying, "Hey, I'm a boy, whatever." So she says it again, and uh, of course, you know, he gets mad. Call he goes out, uh, calls his mom, and of course, the mom calls the school, and 
school got to act like they proactive. So they actually, they actually uh, kind of reprimanded her for that. But my thing is, is she not supposed to say anything if that's what she assumed it was or was she supposed to, because he's so far away, is she supposed to say, hey, come here. Are you a boy? I think that's maybe worse. Are, um, are we not Are we not taught that if you suspect something, speak up? Exactly. And that goes, that's, that's, that's not just when we were kids, that's nowadays. Right. Uh, you know, with the whole uh, 9-11 thing. If you see something, you speak up. It, it's better to be embarrassed than for something to happen that you right. can't, that you can't take back. So I would have to, I would have to uh, have issue with the school board on that one for them reprimanding that teacher. Yeah, it's crazy because, I mean, 99 out of 99 percent of the time, or I should, I guess I should say 100 out of 100 percent of the time, I'm going uh, to say something because you never know what, what can go on, especially uh, some of the things that I witnessed uh, in that regard. Uh, but let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's lighten it up. Um, so on yesterday, a uh, story broke. That was quite interesting. Uh, of course, we all love Becky. Uh, all of the Becky that we've... Never mind. Uh, mm-hmm. we, all about, <laughs> 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 we all love Aunt Becky uh, of Full House, but it seems as if Aunt Becky has been trying to evade some rules and regulations, not only on Becky, but a host of other people to the tune of, I think, about 30 people um, were involved in a, a school admission uh, scheme where um, they actually tried to to offer money or bribes to uh, college coaches at, at various co- collegiate institutions uh, where uh prestigious collegiate institution in their eyes uh, where they wanted their child to go but their child may not have met entrance standards uh, so in, in some regards there were there were payments of uh, you know five figures and in some regards there was a, a payment of, of reported of all the way up to 6.5 million dollars and the way the scheme would work is you know they, they they'd find a, a admissions counselor or, or a coach at a specific college some of the colleges name were uh, University of Southern California, which is most commonly known as USC, uh, University of California, Los Angeles, commonly known as UCLA. I think Stanford was in there, Wake Forest, uh, uh, and, and a couple of other institutions. But uh, these schools are, are very high uh, academic uh, institutions, uh, institutions that require uh, uh, high grade point average, high test scores, and are deemed to be uh, very vigorous or, or I'm sorry rigorous uh, academic uh, institutions and so uh, in each case uh, the child of, of, of one of these individuals did not meet their admissions requirement and so uh, the, the, the scheme was to uh, get with one of the coaches there and they would uh, certify them as a, a recruited athlete or bring them in as a recruit for their team uh, even when said student had no experience in that um, in that particular sport, never played that sport, uh, the idea is that, and a lot of people don't know this, and I, I had some people ask me this today because they still didn't know because it wasn't really explained in the uh, in the media or on all uh, on all mediums. Uh, but at, at, at some of these higher uh, 
I guess high high academic institutions uh, that have athletics, they will allow well any institution really they will allow a certain percentage of the students to be there, and it's usually like ten to fifteen percent um, that they will allow to be admitted as a freshman, kind of on a um, probationary basis, if they fall into certain categories and. Uh, an athlete is one of them. So, as an athlete, uh, they they're allowed a certain percentage of, of incoming athletes that they can bring in, on who may not meet all of the standards. Uh, they're close, uh, uh, and in some cases, they may not be very close at all. But the the idea is, you're here on the probationary basis that that first year or that first semester. Uh, if you prove that the work is too vigorous for you or too rigorous for you, you can't keep up then. You know, you won't you you won't be allowed to stay. Uh, so these celebrities and uh, I think there was a lawyer, uh, was a couple couple of CEOs of, of different uh, different companies, uh, a couple of entrepreneurs, and of course uh, we we got the famous uh, actresses uh, from Desperate Housewives and Full House who um, tried to get there, tried to get their. Uh, students uh, try to get their, their kids into the schools. Uh, me, having having seen this, uh, it wasn't a surprise to me. Uh, it wasn't a surprise at all. Uh, when you, I worked in the college sector for 15 years, uh, and you see just about everything. I can tell you right now, I just, I just had a conversation with someone a week and a half ago about a particular uh, women's basketball coach who uh, was trying to recruit uh, a student athlete uh, and offered uh, the coach $15,000 uh, to get the athlete to come there. And once the athlete got on campus, they offered that uh, athlete some additional money. Of course, you know, the the athlete reported it to the coach immediately and the coach, uh, you know, just kind of talking to uh, some other trusted coaches, you know, told them, you know, this is what happened. And it's so funny because it was not funny, but, you know, a week later, we found out that that coach has been suspended by their university. And so uh, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, coincidences are, are, are funny. But, you know, I'm going to say this last thing. Don't forget to open. The funny things that you find when you get ready to talk about certain stuff, Lori Lofton, who played Aunt, Be- Aunt Becky in Full House. We know on the show, they ended up, her and John, John Stamos' character ended up having uh, two twin boys. And on the show, on the show, I'm sorry. On the show, they ended up having two twin boys. And so, I did not know this, but there was an episode where they're, they were trying to get their two uh two young boys uh, into a prestigious preschool on Full House. And they basically uh, had to make a tough decision between, you know, really wanting the best for the child or potentially uh, committing a crime because they found out uh, that their kids wouldn't be admitted um, without them fabricating some information on the application. Uh, So as part of the, I guess, the rationale, uh, Jesse was saying that uh, 
you know, their their education is the most important thing for him. Uh, he's their father. If he, if you know, if he don't lie for him, who will? And Lloyd Laughlin's character was really hesitant to to partake in it, uh, and she actually ended up telling the school administrators about the plan that they were they were about to do, and basically they didn't they didn't go get they didn't go through with it. Uh, but <laughs> how ironic that we get to this point to where I guess she she thought about what Jess was saying and actually went through with it in real life. What what are your thoughts on this situation? Well, first of all, um, going back to what you were just talking about with the the athlete, uh, the basketball player, and everything. Um, now, was that Ricky Rowe or was that Tony? Uh, I don't know, but they were definitely a blue chip. <laughs> okay, because I know you know with Tony, he t- he took the purest thing he had in his life, and and and, and he just he ruined it. So but anyway, man. <laughs> well, Neon could have done better if he didn't have that culturally biased test. Right, right, right. <laughs> but with but with the Lori Laughlin thing, um, that you know, there's a I hear there's a spinoff called The Big House uh, <laughs> coming along the pike. Cha-ching! <laughs> uh, with all joking aside, though, it, it, this is kind of where I stand on it. I, I I'm kind of on both sides with this but first off someone who pays six and a half million dollars to get your kid into a school how dumb does that kid have to be cool i mean i'm john I, I had this discussion today and i said i'm sure you could have taken the same 6.5 or even half of that even a third of that and donated it to the school and had a damn building named after you and they would have let the kid in for free anyway or at least let him in the building. Right. Sit, there, sit there all day. <laughs> Work. <laughs> and you know, she she turned herself in uh, already to the to the feds. Uh, oh, did she? She did. Uh, I believe it was this earlier this morning or late last night. She turned herself in. But the thing that uh, playing playing devil's advocate here, uh, which is your forte, what you'd like to do, how is it? <laughs> How is it that Lori Laughlin is already in custody and these charges are already stacking up against her and they're going to prosecute her? But before last week, R. Kelly had gone all these years free and, and not put on trial and, and this and that. Well, I think the way that this was, uh, no, well, number one, uh, I think to answer your question, the, the real reason uh, is because when I think this investigation is an FBI uh, investigation and when the three letters get involved they have like what a 90, 97% conviction rate and one of the reasons that they have a 97% conviction rate is because they usually will have years and years of, of documentation or, or video uh, witness statement they got all that evidence before they get it if you uh, remember when the situation occurred they uh, it was kind of a local matter and it wasn't really brought up by the police it was kind of brought to them and then the major 
witness uh, in the case was, of course, the young lady uh, and I guess her family who refused to testify. So it's kind of a situation where the evidence chain was kind of broken and they didn't really have uh, solid physical evidence. You know, all they had was a video and I hadn't seen it, but apparently there was some distortion or something of that nature. But and there was the case of uh, you got a video, but how do you really know how old the girl was? Because when the trial was had, if I'm not mistaken, not the girl was of age at the time of the trial because it took like uh, three or four years, I think, before they even had the trial after the charges were brought. So when the video aired, my assumption is the girl, or I think the girl was of age then. So it's kind of like. Well, how do we know at what point this video was taken? But I think the the, the simple answer is the FBI investigation, uh, and they probably had solid evidence, uh, which is probably why why it got done. Anytime they do a press conference, a press conference to announce the arrest and announce how how it went down, oh, they they got all their ducks in a row. They got everything they need. Oh yeah. Now, before uh, Full House, Aunt Becky was in a movie that yeah. was from 86, I believe it was, called Rad. Ah, that's with, uh, with my guy skateboarding. Um, uh, no, that was, that was BMX. Yeah, 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 BMX. I knew it was one of them racing. Yeah, you're thinking of Thrashing that had Josh Brolin. From, Did you? Uh, he was the big brother in the Goonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, didn't you watch Rad like the other day? Didn't you have it? Um, oh yeah, I watched all those old. I, I love old cheesy '80s movies. Howard the Duck. Oh yeah, that's uh, my guy. Rad Thrashing. It, it, I just love those old, old, old cheesy movies. But uh, but getting back to the 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 thing with the school and, and not so much touching on the accusations and and. and what's been going on with it. Uh, I was doing some research on this today uh, when you when you sent me over the, the list of topics that we were going to discuss. Um, you know, here in Florida, and this is why my son goes to a private school, here in Florida, the, the, the public schools have become so obsessed with tests. Oh, taking, yeah. Taking tests. Just take a to, test for the test. Take teaching kids what they need to know to pass the test at the yep. at the end of the year so they can move to the next grade. Yep, our kid, our kids to the test. Right. Our, our, and you can speak on this better than anyone because you're 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 a teacher. But our kids aren't getting educations. They're 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 getting the cliff notes of education and it it's so frustrating you know, uh, looking at looking at some of, some of this uh, this information that I, I looked up, and I can provide uh, you know uh, documentation and and sites that I use. But we don't need all that, John. Just tell us, damn. I, I know. I'm just saying because someone's gonna be like, "Where did he find that information?" I, I need yeah. I need to see that. Uh, in 1990, the U.S. was ranked sixth in education, and as of 2016. The U.S. is now ranked 27th. That's uh, like the world rankings. Yes, and this is uh, that they 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 say it's because of a lack of public investments in the school systems. The U.S. falls behind Finland, Iceland, Denmark, and the Netherlands. They don't count. 
but these, it's too good to go anywhere else to do anywhere else, so you have to pay attention. But, but these these other countries, the, the reason they're staying ahead is because they they are universal, universally and publicly funded. Uh, the, the U.S. is not, and the mo- the latest findings from the Pew Research Center have has the U.S. in thirty eighth place out of seventy one countries when it comes to math scores, and twenty fourth place when it comes to science. So, that tells you right there that our education system is so messed up, and it, it shows there's a problem in the way that kids are being taught now. Because they're just, like I said before, they're just being taught what they need to know to pass a stupid test so they can go to the next grade. It was and, one of the number one states, uh, I mean, one of the number one countries in the Far East. Say that again? Was the number one country in the rankings in the Far East. Uh, I didn't look that up. Oh, okay. I don't. I, I didn't care. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Because the U.S. is it, you don't want to you don't want to see who's above you. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> just you're, it just make it just make you sadder. But from what I understand, uh, you know, here in Florida, and I'm sure it's in other states as well, that teachers get a bonus dependent on what percentage of students pass that test at the end of the year? Um, it just depends. Uh, depends on the district uh, that you teach in. Depends on... That's the other thing. I mean, I don't know why we don't have... Like, we have... Within even school district, you have a county district, you have a city district, you have inside of the city. Hell, in Atlanta, or in Atlanta, in the surrounding areas, uh, you have probably three or four of the biggest districts in the state. Why is there not just one district? It's all one damn city. Why is it not just one? I understand the in, the need for input from, from everybody, but you can essentially go to one district and it be operated totally different from another district. And if the goal is for us to educate students on a high level, then it's like you say, we have to eliminate some of the tests because within our profession, we call that teaching to the test. Our, our, our teachers have what we call uh, guidelines or, or, or basically uh, guiding um, lessons, which, which, which essentially tell them, okay, week one, you should be talking about this and you should be talking about that. Week two, you should be talking about this and you should be talking about that. And that is not taken into account if the students learn the shit from week one yet. Exactly. If they, if they ain't learn from week one, the people are just moving without establishing uh, any remediation or establishing if the kids actually understand the fundamental concepts. They're just moving because the guide tells them they're supposed to move in order to get all this information in because all the information is going to be on the test. And right. the kids are learning how to take tests as opposed to, like you said, learn the information. They learn uh, how tests are, are how tw- test questions are, are derived how how they're formulated uh, so that they understand how to break down the test que- question to get the answer not the knowledge of knowing the answer but actually how to basically cheat the test or, or, or out test the test and I, you know that's why we get kids who think school is boring because well not just that but we get kids who, who are unable to think outside the box because they're not oh, yeah. challenged they don't think. You know, like, 
like uh, you know Dr. Dr. Browning, uh, rest in peace to him. Uh, he was one of the most influential teachers that I had all through uh, high school and, and college. He challenged you. He didn't just give you the answer. He made you think, and he made you think for yourself. When I was in college, I had uh, two professors in my major. I had Dr. Dr. Yeldon Howard and uh, Ms. Mims. And my major health education, they were essentially the only two professors within that within that major. So you, you weren't going to avoid them. They taught all the classes. And I've never seen any better teaching than what each one of them do. They have different styles. Uh, Dr. Yeldon is very raw. So, you know, you talk about a human sexuality class and she teaching it, she's going to be real straight up with you. Miss Mims, she will break down every single aspect of health education, every single aspect of, of curriculum, uh, the, the, the areas of health and uh, school and community health. She'll, she'll break all that down to where you have no choice but to learn it. Now, if you're one of those type of people who you're not into it or you're not going to read and study, you're not going to pass that class because when you get ready to take your test, it's the same way every time. Take out a piece of paper, take a, uh, a, a put a, put a circle in the top left hand of the paper, uh, write your name on it, number from one to whatever, and fold your paper in half. And from there, she gonna give you a tip. There's not gonna be any multiple choice on there. You gonna know it, or you're not gonna know it. And that's the true test of, of knowledge whether you know something you know you give somebody straight multiple choice test they they can they can they got a 25 percent chance on the four four question uh i mean a four uh choice question whether they're gonna get it right even not knowing anything now if they listen to half of it then they probably got a 50 to 75 percent chance but you know they she was just so effective and i everybody loved Miss Mims, I mean, everybody loved the class if that was your field, because you knew when you left out of there, you were going to be prepared. And it's just a lot of these kids, man, when I um, when we start class, uh, when I'm teaching my health class, uh, I start off with what we call a do now, which is a, a five, the first five minutes of class, we do a thought-provoking question on either something that we've discussed previously or something that we're currently discussing. I can't tell you how many kids do not think and do not attempt to think. It's like it fatigues them. They have been force-fed so many answers that they'll sit there. They, and I'm, I'm telling you, books are in front of them. They'll sit there and kids won't even know what chapter you're in. I was like that. And I mean, they they don't even have no common sense to look on somebody else's face. The, the person right next to you on either side has the answer. They won't even do that. They'll just sit there and pull out their phone and go back to Instagram or Snapchat. And it's like, bro, y'all have been coddled so long that you have lost the power to think for yourself. Well, not just that, but, you know, it, it's, it's smartphones. It gives you the answers. Right. Any, any question you have, you don't have to think. All you have to do is be able to type half a, a coherent thought into Google and then it's going to tell you what you need to know. And a lot of them, a lot of them, Siri has gotten them through uh, 
through high school because they they will sure sit up there and ask Siri. They, I mean, they even do it on math problems for homework. Uh, they they'll do that and then they'll try to sit up there and uh, write down some scratch stuff and make it look like they worked it out. I'm just like, bro, y'all wouldn't survive uh, when we when we were growing up. Well, they need to update series firmware uh, because we've gone from 30, 30, no, yeah, we're down to 38th place out of 71 countries in math. So, oh, wow. Yeah, they need to give Siri an update so so these kids can get the right answers. <laughs> well, hopefully we won't we won't have problems with, 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 with kids entering colleges uh, and parents throwing the bag out for them. Uh, did you get a chance to see... Uh, last night, the the Russell Westbrook and fan interaction uh, that occurred out in Utah. I, I did not see it, but I did read about it. Uh, and and kind of, you know, it, it, <laughs> it's it, it's always been around. It's always been in sports. You always have a heckler. Whether they're whether it's baseball and someone's heckling Jose Canseco because a home run ball bounced off his head, <laughs> or whatever the case may be. Now, to what to what degree they take that the heckler takes right. that is you both ends of the spectrum. But the important part is how the player or the athlete reacts. Response. Right, yeah. reacts to that. So. It's a touchy touchy subject for me because I'm not a black person, so I I can't speak for black people. But the way I I look at it is uh, Russell Westbrook is a professional basketball player. That stuff should, should not even enter his ears. He shouldn't be focused on that. He should be focused on what he's doing, on the play, his teammates, how he's going to score, how he's going to celebrate after they win. But again, that's coming from me. Now, I played sports all my life. I played all sports. I still have all my trophies and everything, and I'd like to look at them and remember how good I used to be. And then I, then I cry, <laughs> then I cry into a corner because all my good days are behind me. But. It's just the way you react to it, and I, I think that that Westbrook reacted the wrong way, especially when he said that he's gonna f up him. Yeah, he came out and um, he apologized about the uh, the wife comment. Uh, but for those who don't know, at, uh, apparently uh, Russell Westbrook was at the end of the OKC bench. Uh, they played Utah, uh, the Utah Jazz last night, and. Uh, one of the, uh, I guess he was he was icing his knee or something. I don't know if he was out, uh, injured, or if he was just you know taking a break or whatever. But one of the gentlemen in the audience uh, who had a courtside seat, uh, Russell Westbrook says that he made the statement that he uh, he can get on his knees like he's used to. Go ahead and get on your knees like you used to. Uh, the gentleman says that what he actually said was to go ahead and ice your knees. Uh, <laughs> everybody else, I don't know if I believe everybody that. Everybody else, yeah, exactly. Uh, everybody else in the general area, 
they kind of affirmed what uh, the story of Russell Russell Westbrook was, including some other uh, Utah fans. Uh, and of course, his response his was Russell Westbrook's response was, you know, basically he'll beat his ass and his wife's ass too. And he said that the reason that he said that was because the guy's wife uh, made this was repeating, I guess, the statement that the guy was making. Uh, so the the overwhelming response uh, has been, of course, from NBA players supportive of, of, of Westbrook, saying that you know he uh, they go to games uh, you know nightly and they have to deal with with uh, fan heckling and you know it's generally not an issue. It's generally. Uh, 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 good natured ribbing or whatever, but you do have some fans who take it too far, uh, and they shouldn't have to deal with that. There should be some some measure of, of security or whatever to step in uh, when somebody's going going over the line. Uh, so, uh, well, that's kind of tough the, because then you have you have a security guard who's getting paid minimum wage in a call, right? You know, so it. <laughs> It, it, it's it's kind of uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's touchy. It's touchy. Yeah, but here, here's the thing about it. You know, if 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 this fan, uh, I I don't know if he was black or white or or what the case was, but he's a white guy. Okay. Well, if he's a racist, it's, it's Utah. Come on. <laughs> ain't nothing but Mormons <laughs> up there, right? If, if if this guy's a racist, why is he going to an NBA game? Because it was Utah, and they used to have Gordon Hayward, and now they got Rudy Go- Gobert. So uh, you know they yeah, it's a pre- it's a predominantly black sport, right? <laughs> that, that, that's that's what I was getting at. Um, was mad the hockey team didn't come in yet. I, I think a life ban that the, that they, Utah gave this 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 heckler. Oh, is that what they gave him a lifetime ban? Yeah, they banned him for life. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I think that's a little excessive. I will say this in further review initially I was like they probably gonna you know not let them come back the rest of the year but you know how social media does and they actually dug up I guess some of the guys previous tweets uh, I don't know they were tweets my wife's in the car with me now she, she, she said they were tweets so they actually dug some of that stuff up, and he has a history of not only criticizing Russell Westbrook specifically, which is fine. If you don't like him as a player or whatever, cool. But he has a history of making uh, racially uh, motivated comments uh, or the racially disparaging comments uh, against African Americans, which I don't know if the the organization had that information before they made the lifetime ban. I'm sure they got it, uh, but that may contribute to some support. Uh, Russell Westbrook is a you know professional athlete. He should basically you know kind of. Understand that, hey, you know, I'm a million dollar athlete. You playing the game, I hear and don't hear uh, the crowd because I know their job is kind of to get on me. So, uh, 
you know, kind of, kind of ignore it and, and be prepared for it and kind of move on. But I will yeah. tell you, as former athlete and as a coach, you are trained to not hear certain things. You're trained to, to stay focused and keep playing. But there are some triggers, just like in everyday life. There are some triggers when. You are an African-American male, an African-American peer, and you hear something racially disparaging. It's what we call a hot button off the top. It's, it's something that's going to get your attention. You, you may, it may be a thousand people talking, but you're going to hear that and really identify where it came from. And there's just a point to where you've gotten to a point to where you're not going to let people talk to you in a certain manner. It would be the same thing as if you and... You, well, you know how it used to be when we were growing up. You're on the playground. You got people talking back and forth. They they, they saying anything about everybody. You fat. You ugly. Uh, you you stink. Whatever, whatever it may be. You got people saying stuff back and forth. But the hot button is your mama. Your mama. <laughs> when you say your mama... Oh, we got to fight. Even, whether they know your mama, whether they don't know your mama, it's just the respect. Right. <laughs> it's the respect that you have for your mama. You even let nobody talk about your mama. It's very similar to the pride that you have in your ethnicity and the knowledge of the history between the relationships between uh, African Americans and, and uh, Caucasians and when somebody says it's like you you can accept everything and then somebody says that it and it's almost like oh you you're a racist because there's I always tell people this you know, most people don't don't understand it on the fundamental level there's a difference between a racist and somebody who's prejudiced hmm. I think there are people that we know on both sides uh, of all all races and all ethnicities who are prejudiced. What would the difference be? Prejudice is a, is a preference. I mean, that, that would be just like you saying, I like green grapes, I don't like purple grapes. Well, that's a, that's just the truth. I mean, that's, that ain't got nothing to do with the color of it. I mean, that's just... That's a preference. It's, it, it's, not, it's not racial. It's, it's a preference. When, you, when something is... is Racial or or is racist? It means you have the power to systematically oppress that particular person. So, if let's just say you are in a position of power on your job, and the creation of affirmative action was brought out by this, you you are you are a supervisor on your job, and you don't hire me simply because I'm black and you have somebody who is uh, white simply because they're white which means you have systematically taken an opportunity for me simply based on my ethnicity now if you're on the same job and you're the supervisor or you're the boss and you don't like black people so you asked the white person to go to lunch with you and didn't ask the black person simply because you don't like black people. 
that's you being prejudiced. That's not you being racist because you're not systematically oppressing me from being able to uh, move forward or being able to, to accomplish something. You being prejudiced is something that a lot of people in all ethnicities uh, can can lay claim to. They are, they are and it, it's for varying reasons. You know, some, some of it is based on their experience with, 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 with some uh, uh, races or ethnicity. Uh, some of it is based purely on things that they've heard or, or uh, things that they've seen uh, through the media. Uh, and like I said, you know, sometimes we just we just saw in the media uh, uh, the taking guy, Liam Neeson. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> and he was just talking about how he went on uh, the spree looking for somebody uh, black to kill simply because, you know, his his good friend, you know, told him that she was uh, assaulted by a black guy, and so at that point in time, he hated all black people, and he was looking for black as a kid. Now I don't know where he where he lived that he couldn't find one to actually kill, but you know, thank God he didn't. Uh, that ain't right. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. he was, like, he was thinking, uh, I don't know if it was weeks or months. He was just like he was going out looking for somebody black. I, there's been nowhere I can go where I have not seen anybody black and I have not seen anybody white. Now, there may be long stretches of time in between, but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. He's from, uh, what, like Ireland or? Yeah, he's from Ireland. So, yeah, he's from Ireland. So the, the story, uh, you, you kind of, you know, touched on it, but just a, not simple, not as simple terms. Uh, you know, Liam Neeson had had a close friend, like you said, that was raped by a black man. And Liam Neeson got so angry, he was walking up and down the street looking for any black person, like you know, you're saying. And, 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 you know, he came forward and said, I was looking for any black person so I could kill a black bastard. Now, I don't know why this is fallen to the wayside because it was it was huge news because he had a new movie coming out at the time that he uh, was speaking about this. But that that's been over a month ago, and I haven't heard anything else about it. Me neither. <laughs> I ain't heard nothing else about the movie. Either. <laughs> well, not just the movie, but th- this this whole I think story it's- that he's told. I think it's because when he said it, most black people kind of counseled him off the top. Because it, it just sounded stupid. And then I think everybody kind of took a step back and like, hmm, he said this. He got a movie coming out Friday. It, it, could it be what the movie was about? But I think he might have touched on in that, in that realm. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it did too. Yeah, so I think I think they kind of counted it as he trying to promote a movie. Bad way to do it, Liam. But we off you. And I don't really think too many people when they saw it anyway. But you know, I was a taking guy, so uh, you were know, taken. I, I, yeah, taken by my wife at an early age. Uh, but oh, Lordy. Um, yeah, I, uh, actually, um, I I I was I, I like taking. I like the little series. Uh, 
I like the first but, one. The, the 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 second, the third one is like man. They was over You guys keep getting took. Something must be wrong, Jay. Exactly. But but you know, going back going back to the to the Russell Westbrook thing. Yeah. Going back to the I mean, what what do we do? Do we scoop the 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 fan seats back? So, so that they're they're further away from the benches. I mean, what do we do? When you really isn't, is, I don't think it's. You just hope that the people have common sense. I'm, I'm I'm quite sure there. Are, that's not the only thing that has been said to uh, because he Russell Westbrook even said uh, in the in the statement that he made that it wasn't the first time it happened in Utah. So that might have been another trigger for him. It might have been, you know, uh, you know, I heard I heard a little bit of his interview before we got on, and he was saying that, you know, I'm the guy that I take all this. I don't really say anything, you know. I I, I come out, I, I try to represent the league in, in an honorable fashion. I come out, play hard every night, uh, try to get the fans uh, their money's worth, and you know, I I, I get ridiculed. Every in every opposing arena, you know, we go in and you know I'm the guy that you know never said anything. I understand it's part of the game, but when you take it to 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 that extent, uh, and this is not the first time in Utah, right. I have to say something. You know, he was like, you know, I was wrong for saying that uh, to his wife because I would never put my hands uh, on a female, uh, and I would never put my hands on his wife. But you know. As far as what I said to him, you know, it, it, it needs to be said because they, he said these these fans sometimes think they can they can say and do anything to us, right? And because we are who we are, we don't have the right to respond because we get paid a certain amount of money. We're supposed to just take it. Well, he these, said, these fans think just because they pay the price of admission that gives them free free range to do whatever they want to do and say whatever they want to do, right? And I mean, I can tell you from my position as a coach, uh, I have been in some situations where uh, a fan has said some things all night long and, you know, uh, it really don't bother me. And then other situations, uh, depending on what's said, uh, and it also makes a difference if my family is around because I'm not going to let certain things be said. And I also know that my family is protective of me so you know I don't want them to get into a, a, a situation based on you know defending me but uh, also my players you know you're not going to say certain things about my players you can talk about their skill level you can talk about uh, their ability to do certain things but when you start making personal attacks uh, it, it gets a little different and I know uh, in particular I was at uh, one one game uh, in West Virginia and you know we had a had a group of boys who were sitting by us, uh, sitting behind my bench, and they they were saying things. You know, first 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 part of the game, I ain't no problem with it because uh, it was it was you know real general. And then you know they started making some derogatory statements. And, you know, I looked, I gave them that look like, all right, I heard you. You got one more time. <laughs> and you know they got quiet. And like two minutes later, game picked up. They start going back in, and they said something about about one of my players that was real derogatory. I can't even remember, but I I just can't imagine that I would go off over nothing. So it had to be very bad. And you know, I turned around, and I told him, I said, "Look at home, boy. 
this game ain't gonna last all night long. As soon as it's over with, I'm gonna come over there and see you. And to be honest with you, I had really, I was so upset. I had forgotten about the flow of the game. And I had really intended to deal with those gentlemen. I mean, police were right behind. They like, did you hear what he said? And I told him, I said, if you're there, you're going to earn your money tonight. <laughs> and all I know is, you know, at the end of the game, I definitely turned to go and they were no longer there. So, you know, one of my kids was like, police said something to him and they left. Or I don't know if he reseated them to another side or whatever. But, you know, that that was kind of a preventative measure uh, that the police probably did a good job in uh, probably saving me and, and them uh, from something uh, occurring. But, uh, you know, hopefully something would have kicked in to me to 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 not do anything to jeopardize jeopardize my job or or, or my family or whatever, but you know I just don't know with a hot button like that. Right, all, all very good points, and you know, like I said, it, it I can't speak on it uh, from Russell Westbrook's point of view because you know I'm not a black person, so I, I haven't dealt with what it, what black people have gone through, and I don't try to pretend. Like I like I have been through it or know what's going on. So let's move to our next topic, and this is a topic that I know is very special to you, and I know you have some very in depth, <laughs> <laughs> some very in depth information to provide. Let me get comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> This topic was actually, I actually thought about this topic because I was having a conversation with uh, one of, should I say this? I was having a conversation with somebody uh, and they were explaining to me how this individual just uh, recovered from uh, 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 what we, what he thought and what his spouse thought was a terminal illness. Uh, uh, He had a a certain uh, certain type of cancer and uh ended up uh ended up you know getting real sick uh back last year probably between uh march and and may of last year ended up having surgery uh and uh during that process um his his wife and his relationship was already kind of strained uh and during that process i guess it got really strained uh, a little bit more and some of the information that he's told me is you know uh, his, he, he felt like uh, his wife she didn't take off from work when when he uh, found out he had, had cancer and when he found out he had cancer and um, you know I think he felt like he had to deal with it on his own uh, and he kind of resented her for that and at this point, I think they, because of that and the relationship that they had prior to, ever since uh, this summer when he had the surgery or whatever, I guess she's moved uh, into another room in the house. Uh, they're still cordial, they're everything like that, but it wasn't kind of like, I'm I'm tired of you, I'm moving out. It was kind of like a, a 
just a new thing and to the f- fact that to the point that she's actually decorated the the room and everything and so at that point in time you know he had a conversation with her about this is after he recovered so I want to say like July after he recovered he said he was so close to to death that he wanted to get his his relationship back on track with his wife he wasn't comfortable with the way they were living um and it was going to be a situation where he felt like he had been granted a new life and he didn't want to live that life in misery and he didn't want her to be miserable if she was miserable but he wanted to work it out but and you know as he told her you know these are the things that uh you know I need from you or these are the things that bother me you know have that conversation with and you know as far as her taking off uh when when he found out he had cancer, you know, I tried to uh I didn't I don't know his wife personally. I you know, all I know is what you know, he's never talked uh disparaging like really bad about it. You know, he just told me about his experience. And of course when he tells me about his experience, uh he's telling me about how some of the things that she's done affected him. Uh but, you know, I, I, I told him I said, Well, you know, man, that's that's kind of a big blow. And not everybody, you know, really handles that blow uh, appropriately in that time. You know, I, sometimes when, when things happen, uh, we so scared that we 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 can't provide that support. We want to provide that support, but don't know how to. It's hard. You don't know how exactly. You don't know how to. So in not knowing how to, you kind of disrespect the other person by not speaking on it because in a way you're confident in yourself, but in another way you don't, you're trying to protect their feeling because you don't want to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. I said, so, you know, in that situation, she might not, man, it might have hit her so bad, she might not know how to react. Now, these two have a, uh, a teenage uh, daughter uh, who uh, will be a senior on next year. Uh, high school, only have high school or college? Yeah, high school, high school. And so... Uh, you know, I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, that's kind of that's kind of tricky because uh, you know you never know how 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 to react sometimes. So you don't want to really hold that against her. And he was like, well, you know, Jay, when I told her how I felt about it, that was her opportunity then to just say that. He said if she would have just said that, I would have understood, and it would allow me to move forward. But when I talked to her about it, she had like, I was crazy for thinking like that. And then, you know, he said at that at that time, he had a conversation with her about, you know, the things that, that were going on and uh, things that they need to work on. And he basically said from that point to now, she's really made no attempt to change. Uh, uh, and he basically was saying that, you know, she thinks that time is going to heal uh, that wound or they can just move on and forget it because it's been spoken about without her even changing. And then, you know, his thing is he's not comfortable with the way they're living, but she hadn't said nothing and hadn't done anything, so she must be comfortable. And so basically, long story short, they had a conversation, uh, I guess, a week or two ago and decided to, to get a divorce. So, that's the next topic. You know, at what point in time, you know, in a relationship, do you uh, 
I guess, make the decision that, hey, we tried this or that. Uh, we just, it's, it's not going to work. And if you have kids, how do you tell the kids? Uh, you know, is it is it appropriate to, to leave or to divorce when you have kids? I don't think, I think it's more damaging to stay with somebody if you don't want to be with them when you have kids because uh, the kids pick it up. Uh, and then how it can go left. Uh, and I'll say this next thing and then I, I kind of throw it to you um, today we were talking um, and he was saying that he finally told his daughter that you know they were gonna get a divorce and uh, he, he's gotten a second job to kind of uh, counteract uh, the money that you know he's gonna have to give her uh, you know they, they're not arguing over money or anything but you know he wants to make sure he's still able to take care of her, but he understands, you know, he's going to need to move out and all that type of stuff. So he's kind of picked up a second job to kind of kind of cover that. Um, and he was saying at first, you know, his daughter broke down crying. Um, and, you know, when he explained it to her, he said he explained it to her as uh, she's a cheerleader. And um, I guess one of, the, one, of the, one of the stunts they did at one of the shows, uh, she's the base. Of, of I guess uh, the little pyramid and one of the girls on the pyramid kind of stumbled and she had to to drop a lid back and and, and really brace or adjust to, to be able to provide some balance and so when he um when he was explaining to her he said you know it's kind of like that you know sometimes stuff knocks us off kilter and we have to we have to kind of um uh make an adjustment to to re refortify that foundation, so you know, I, um, I just thought it was interesting. It's a subject that a lot of people don't try to avoid, um, and I know you you've had some some uh, experience in that in that realm, and maybe you can kind of help us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me just start off with saying it, it it's to me it's not fair for this gentleman to to tell his wife how she should react to the news of him being sick and, right. and that's, that that's that happens a lot you know people are like you should have been there for me or you should have done this or you should have done that uh, for me okay that's well and good but what about that person speaking for myself Mm-hmm. My my grandfather passed away when I was eleven or twelve, right. and since then, that's the only person that has passed away that I was close to. So, okay. so if if I have a friend, and, and uh, not to try to open any wounds, but I see you post a lot about losing this person or being shocked about this person. So you've dealt with death a lot more than I have. So right. I don't think that I'll be able to bring the this, this same support to you that someone else would because I haven't dealt with it. And I, especially being that someone as close to me, you know, I've had uh, acquaintances that have passed away. I've had, you know, uh, uh, cousins by marriage that have passed away, but I was never close with. So for him to tell her how she should have reacted is... Is kind of messed up on his on his part, but let me say mm-hmm. with the information that you've given me in, in these few minutes, 
it, it sounds like she already found someone else. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see it, but that's how I feel. Well, that that's just that's just the conclusion that I'm drawing from the information you've given me. And her being comfortable where she is right now, being in another room and it being decorated, that's her space. She's acting like uh, a single person because right. she's separating herself from this marriage and from the family. Uh, as far as the uh, as the daughter goes and, and, and talking to your children about divorce, that's that's very situational. It depends on the maturity level of your of your kid uh, or mm-hmm. or kids. It it, it 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 just varies so much. When when my my oldest son's mother and I divorced, he was a year old. So. Thankfully, I didn't, oh, okay. have, I didn't have to have that conversation with him. But I did have a conversation with him when when he was able to understand that his parents weren't together. When he, when he was, his eyes started opening up. And I just explained to him, I said, you know, you know what, buddy? Sometimes, no matter how much two people love one another, it, they just can't work things out. It, it, right. People can be so different. They can love one another with all their heart and all their soul, but there's times when people just can't live together. They can't be together because they're so different. So it, it, it's very tough when it comes to kids in marriages. And, uh, you know, my grandmother told me years ago, um, she said, the, the downfall of our society was the birth control pill. Oh yeah, and, and at first I, I laughed because it was funny. You, you just don't imagine your grandmother talking about the birth control pill, you know. So right. it, it just kind of caught me off guard, and I laughed about it. But then it, I got to thinking, maybe she has something there. It it yeah. pretty much released people from Respons- responsibilities. Ooh. So it, it, it's yeah, we call it free fucking. But- <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't say that that my exes uh, I've, I've been divorced four, married and divorced four times I can't say that it, it was their fault three it, no it's, it's four it, it's been four um, but I can't say it was their fault on, on every occasion sometimes it was some of it was my fault just simply because I wasn't mature enough to to realize what I had, and just being stubborn, and and thinking that no one knew better what was right for me than me. But the 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 important the most important thing that I found that is needed in a relationship is communication. You've got to. He, he should have said something to her to his wife the minute something was bothering him. And if she wasn't receptive to it, what can he really do? Right. All he can do is explain his feelings. Not Don't hold him down inside until one day it explodes and you're like, I can't believe that you weren't there with me. This and that is. He didn't explain it like that. He said that, you know, after, after he recovered and everything, just having a conversation. It wasn't like he confronted her about it. 
he said he just brought that up. Uh, and he he said he didn't he didn't actually tell her what she should have did. He just told her how it made him feel. Okay. And he said he was waiting on her to explain why she did the way she, what she did or how she felt, which would have made him feel better. He said he just didn't he didn't have an explanation. So of course you don't have one. Of the the first thing you're gonna think is she don't give a damn. Right. But he didn't want to think like that. So I'm just gonna be honest with you. When when he talked to me. Of course, I'm getting one side now. Exactly. I'm not getting exactly. In one side, but when he talked to me, he sound. I'm, let me see how to put this, because I don't want to. I don't want to say it the wrong way. He sounds more of a empathetic individual. Uh, not necessarily sympathetic, but he sounds more of an empathetic individual who is in touch with his his feelings and not ashamed to express them which is something that we don't we don't find a lot in the male community uh now i don't know if he's just doing that with me uh but he seems like a really open person i this is not a long lost friend that i have this is a gentleman i've known for about three years and we we just started really talking like that this year well not even like that we just started really talking exclusively this year uh, because he was reassigned and so it's not like somebody that he has an established relationship with that he's pouring his heart out to you know when he talk he's general I think I think the, the, the scare from him having cancer is something that it kind of opened him up to maybe expressing himself more because he, he you know I don't want to say it like this but he may have seen the other side so he may be more more willing to express himself and and understanding he has a second chance, then you know sometimes, man, when you feel like you got that second chance, you like shit. I know what this is, and I don't. I'm not taking advantage of of what it can be. So, you know, I want I want some more. Exactly. Yeah, I get that. And so, you know that 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 could be a situation where, you know, he he was trying to, because even he says, you know, he he said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to divorce, but. I think he he realized that she might have moved on, and she won't just tell him. So maybe he feel like he's helping her uh, come to terms with it, or, or or be okay with with that being the situation by him doing what he's doing. So you know, you never know. You never know what what the total situation is. Again, you know, like I said, I'm getting his side of the story, and uh, you know how that go. Uh, it could change, you know, at the, at the, depending on who telling what they say, three sides. There's three, there's three, there's three sides of the truth, his truth, her truth, and the actual truth. Right, right, right. So, you know, you never know, but I just, I think one of the things that he's really worried about right now is, I ain't gonna say really worried, but he's concerned about, he and his wife didn't tell their daughter together. He told her, and I guess they're so distant right now. He and you know he's saying they're not arguing or nothing like that. It's just distant. He's like they're so distant right now. He don't even know if she had a conversation with the daughter. Because you know I asked him. I said, well, you know how how did she say her talk when he's like I don't even know what she talked to. Uh, and he's like you know when he talked to his daughter, it sounds like he was. It sounds like she's already checked out. To, yeah, he didn't he didn't try to sway her either way. You know he was just saying you know. I'm, I'm gonna be moving out, but you know I'm gonna get a house. Uh, 
not too far from you and be close and you know you still you know this ain't got nothing to do with you none of this has anything to do with you uh, it's about you know me and your mama and I still love her and she's still a great person we just you know we've, we've grown apart and this is the best for both of them and you know he basically was like that's what he said but he don't know what, what she said uh, but I think you know his biggest thing is his his relationship with his daughter. Um, but it's just it was just interesting to me um, because I, you know you you see it can go left a number of different ways and you know I always tell people when they try to put put a child in a position where they have to pick you know they being selfish. Yeah. Uh, the, the first the yeah. first priority is the is is the kid and making sure they understand fully what's going on and that it's not their fault and right. it's not going to affect. The relationship that you have with it with the child right 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 no doubt no doubt so you know i, I thought that was a a very intriguing topic uh for the people i know uh we we probably all got people who've experienced some 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 level of divorce in some some type of way whether it be family members ourselves or or what have you i've experienced uh, all levels of divorce <laughs> There's a divorce too, right? Yes. Well, hey, but one more divorce, I get that 12-inch sub. There you go. The entire foot long. They're going to get, I'm, a, I'm only going to get half of it. Everything hurts. You know, yeah, bro. That's right. <laughs> Make sure I get the nastiest sandwich in. So since we're talking about, um, how you do shit? Oh. Since we're talking about, I'm sorry, I'm talking about uh, my wife and my daughter. My wife, uh, Shannon, has been to the vehicle alone. We just picked up my daughter, Joy, of uh, school. Uh, they still our birthday has. So, uh, did you did you get a chance to to read the uh, the article I sent you um, about the the high school in California? I did. All right. So, my good people. There is a high school in uh, California that um, apparently there was a, a Holocaust survivor who came to the high school and uh, spoke to the spoke to the children or the students about uh, surviving the Holocaust and things that she went through and um, kind of. You know, told them all about all about the Holocaust, uh, and apparently the day after, I think it was the day after she she came and spoke, um, the high school was plastered with swastikas. Uh, for those who don't know, swastika, depending on who you ask, uh, is a derogatory uh, emblem uh, that was used in, in in Germany by Adolf Hitler. Um, as a as a symbol uh, of, of his 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 military force, and uh, it's synonymous with with the Holocaust and uh, the eradication of, of, of Jewish uh, individuals uh, by Adolf Hitler, and that's what the Holocaust was. Uh, basically, Adolf Hitler um, trying to to rid the the country and the world of, of Jewish, and so he had the concentration camps. Uh, he had the crematories where he actually burn people alive and um, all types of anti-Semitic uh, 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 undertakings and actions. 
Uh, so, uh, I guess there were I guess ten flyers that were discovered uh, at a high school in, in Newport Newport Harbor High School in in California uh, on this past Sunday, uh, and the I guess one of the seniors uh, was saying that you know it's, it's it was a step backwards uh, after they had, he had, what he assumed made a step forward. His grandmother. Uh, the senior's grandmother actually survived the Holocaust and uh, basically said that she felt like the, the I guess the sticker said uh, was saying that they weren't welcome at, at our at their own school. Um, now there are some some people who are saying that I guess they don't believe the students actually did it that an outside source actually uh, put the posters up. Uh, but you know it's it's just interesting. Uh, to to read it after uh, the incident that we talked about on last week with the the Hoover and Spain situation, uh, you know I don't know if it's, it's coincidence or it's a state of time. coming up. I just think that kids think shit is just funny, and they so. I think they're so numb to a lot of things. They play so much about it. They don't take anything seriously. You know, they will they will do anything for a laugh or do anything for we live in a social media world, so I say they do anything for a like. And while some of this is, is actually uh stuff that um I believe is, you know, inherent and, and, and some people believe these things, I think some of it is just, you know, people just ignorant. And, and just doing stuff to get a laugh or like, uh, which means they're de- desensitized to other people's feelings. They're de- desensitized to humanity. So, you know, I don't know. What, what you think about it? Uh, well, you know, first of all, social media has really set fire to a lot of topics. Like we talked about last week, this stuff's been going on forever. But social media has has brought it to light and and brought visibility for everyone. Right. And the way the society has become now, kids think they can get away with whatever because they can fall back on their parents to to get their mm-hmm. back, or they they just, they don't understand what repercussions are anymore because there's there's real there's really no penalties for anything. Right. Like the kid, uh, I think it was back in the 90s, the, the American that went to, I want to say China, and defaced uh, cars and walls with graffiti. I think it was Singapore. Oh, okay. And they caned him <laughs> on TV so that the whole world could see. Yep. You see, if that were to happen nowadays, it'd be an international incident. Right, but it, it, but with this, it, it it's it amazes me because the 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 swastika, it, it originally it predates uh, ancient Egyptian times. It was a sign of peace and uh, spirituality, and now we, because of one person, all that's been erased from our from our from our minds 
and now we automatically associate the swastika with Hitler. And that's that's crazy because I just uh, when you say that, I, um, I just uh, somebody just put that up in uh, Black History Month. They were doing Black History Month. Somebody posted uh, something about the swastika and uh, on uh, on Facebook, and they were were talking about you know before before Hitler or anything like that. Uh, it, it, its etymology, you know, is. Uh, is, is is having been one of uh, a form of a cross, uh, which uh, of course has been in uh, depicting peace and uh, that type of thing. Uh, right. It's actually, uh, I think, from the Middle East, like you said, um, and it's just crazy how somebody can can take a symbol and totally uh, totally change, you know, how we view that symbol. And it's meaning, right? But but I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah, but but as far as the these these kids go, um, like you said, it could have been someone from the outside that did it. We the the not the information that I have right now, uh, I, I'm, I can't make a determination on if I think it's someone from the outside if it was actually the kids. I wouldn't. Be, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised either way if it was someone from the outside or the kids. It's just people trying to get a rise out of other people. Yeah, I, it, ultimately that's what it is. Uh, I, I think uh, it'll probably be some more stuff come out over the next couple of days. Uh, maybe we can address it in a uh, future podcast if, if more information comes out. Yeah. I think it's kind of, kind of kind of too early to make a call on it right now. Which lends me uh, or leads me to to. You're talking about the dynamic of, of parents and, and uh, students. Uh, there are a lot of people who say that the children of today are different. Um, you know, they we we have more discipline issues, according to some people. And you know, I've I've always um, been a person who's kind of taking a uh, an alternative look at at, at that specifically. Um, while I think the the children are different, uh, I think they they do have different morals and do have different motivations doing things. I think that's because of the product of the parenting and the methods of parenting and things that we allow people to get away with and we have allowed them to get away with. So, yep. uh, you know, I always tell people that my generation has failed. Uh, because a lot of the things that that occur, uh, you know, are are kids who are produced by you know our generation, uh, and I know, uh, I, I think our generation may may be the generation that had the highest uh, uh, rate of, of kids having kids, uh, and which forced uh, us to not have a, a a relationship with a lot of our kids. Uh, and also, you know, we had a lot of grandmothers and great grandmothers who who uh, started the process of raising kids and uh, big mom, right, right, exactly. And that kind of um, eroded the the authority figure out of parents uh, because parents were, were I don't want to say absent, but they want the the, the disciplinarian in the house. Uh, they were often looked at uh, as a friend, you know, we I can even, you know, 
give examples of people in our classes. Um, when we were going to school, you know, saying, you know, when my child get up, I ain't gonna never uh, make them do this. I ain't gonna never make. And like, you know, a lot of them have uh, fulfilled those those uh, those dreams that they had. But you know, we get to a point to where, you know, you, you decide or you have to make a, a assessment as to whether it's, it's the children that are different or uh, learning different or is it uh, the parents who are parenting different in a, in a, in a negative light. Uh, you know, the things that we expose our, our, our children to, um, the, the supervision overall that we have over our children, the, the things that we allow them uh, to, to do and say and, and, and view, uh, provide, you know, an exposure for them to to certain things that uh, take, take their upbringing out of our hand and we allow them to. And so, uh, you know, we live in an age where I see every day kids not able to have a conversation with uh, uh, with even their own their own classmates. A, ba- uh, a basic conversation. Yeah, basic conversation. Basic conversation. You know, I... Uh, I challenge my kids in my class. You know, I, I teach a personal fitness class, which is a hyper class. Uh, simply means that uh, we have some book work that we do, and then there's a form of the classes like PE. So on some days uh, it'll be it'll resemble a PE class, and on some days uh, it'll be you know classroom class. Uh, you know, I try to do as much uh, activity as possible. My class said, "Well, look." If y'all can put your phone down, everybody here put your phone down for, for 10 minutes. Uh, we have a conversation. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll let y'all uh, let y'all go in the gym and play. So, you know, I do that and it never fails. Two, three minutes afterwards, somebody got their phone out. They can't do this. They, you know, they just can't. They, they can't help it. It's almost like, you know, and then I guess that's an excuse I just use. Uh, but, you know, they, they allow them to do that. And I don't understand. Well, I understand how it gets to that point. But I just look at certain stuff where, you know, my kids uh, have often looked at me as uh, being ancient, not with the times or whatever, just because I won't allow certain stuff or, you know, we, we've gone to a certain period to where, you know, certain certain times I won't let my my kid watch TV during the week. Uh, no electronic during the week. You know, but you know, it's just I think when people, my feelings are when people don't even attempt to provide a moral base for their kids and some guidance and discipline within their kids. To me, it's just like child abuse. Like you hang the kid out there uh, to dry. You know, it never fails when when we've got discipline problems at our school. Sometimes we call parents in and they worse than the kids. You know, so this is what, what the kids are seeing on a daily basis. They, they deem this to be acceptable behavior. Uh, so, you know... It-